do worship a bit more later on in the service. So thank you to Alan and Bridget and Phil for leading us. If you want to turn in your Bibles to our reading this morning, we're staying with the resurrection story and we'll be reading from Luke 24 uh, from verse 13 to 49. We've been um, having a series called uh, The Heart of Jesus and we're going to continue that after Easter. Originally we thought we'd stop at Easter but there's more of the heart of Jesus to discover so we're going to be picking that up uh, once again next week. So Luke 24 from verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I wonder how long that took. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. And they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen, and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. 
They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I wonder if Jesus had a to-do list. Do you have to-do lists? I have post-it notes everywhere. Wonder what he had on his to-do list to do on that first Easter day. Resurrection day. People to see. Places to go. Things to do. What I find amazing and that I've, I've known but I've not known it before. Do you know sometimes you read the scriptures and just something pops out that you thought, oh, I, I know that but I've not really seen it in that way before. That he found time on the first resurrection day for two Bible studies. I find that remarkable. And I was more familiar with the one on the Emmaus Road because I love that story. It's one of my favorite resurrection appearances. But what I had overlooked at times is the other one that he did when he met with the disciples in the upper room. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And I find this both fascinating and challenging. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I think what what I really need to grow as a Christian, is some amazing experience, some amazing encounter with Jesus. A glorious vision of his resurrection, like Paul on the Damascus Road. But I think that Jesus wants me and us to trust something that is always with us, that we have in our hands, available to us, that will last longer than an experience or an encounter. And that is the Scriptures. 
Jesus knows that we need a deeper understanding of the Scriptures. Isn't it interesting? Mark 10, verse 1. Jesus, the teacher. When Jesus, when Jesus left that place and went into the region of Judea across the Jordan, again, crowds of people came to him. And as was his custom, he taught them. That tells us something about Jesus, doesn't it? That it was his custom to teach. We know that because he's called rabbi many times. It means teacher. Again, in Luke 4, verse 14 to 21, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. It was Jesus' custom to go to church, or to the synagogue. And I know that that has been challenged over the last few years across the church, particularly in our nation. That some of us have got out of the custom of being part of the gathered community. Now, I'm speaking to those who obviously have not got into that because you're here. But we need to be praying for those who still have got out of the custom. See, I wanted to say habit, but I don't want people to come to church out of habit. Don't come if it's a habit. Come because you want to. Come because you want to meet Jesus. Come because you want to be part of the church. Come because you want to be part of God's amazing mission. Come because you're committed here. Come, but not out of habit. But maybe out of custom. It's your custom. And he stood up to read... From the scroll of the prophet Isaiah that was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I wonder if that was one of the scriptures that he brought to the two on the Emmaus Road. Brought to the eleven in the upper room. This resurrection Bible study. I wish I'd been there, don't you? Just to hear it. Paul says faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Notice the disciples on the Emmaus Road recalled, were not our hearts burning when he talked to us on the road, when he opened the scriptures? Their hearts were burning. Hearts before that had been weighed down with sorrow were now burning with joy. It's then... When Jesus breaks bread, that they recognize him. And immediately he disappears from their sight. 
the amazing resurrection of body of Jesus disappears from their sight. And though it's late at night, they decide, let's go back to Jerusalem. And they get back to the others and they say, it's true. And the others say, yeah, it is true. He's appeared to Simon. And you go, when did, when did he do that? We've not really got that encounter written down for us. And while they were still talking about this, imagine the scene. They were still talking about it. Jesus doesn't come and knock on the door. He doesn't peer through the window. He appears right in the middle of them all. That's amazing. It is. I know, you're just stunned. He appeared in the middle of them. And they were terrified. Understandably so. They think it's a ghost. And he has to say, no, I'm not a ghost. It's me. And he says, see my hands and my feet. And he invites them to touch them. And, and always astounding to me, ever since I became a Christian, was that Jesus kept the scars. Didn't need to keep the scars. But he kept them. And he says, touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones. You, if you've ever met a ghost, they don't. Just a tip, if you ever meet a ghost, just say, be released in the name of Jesus, they go. Does wind me up all these programs about ghosts on the telly. Just, just send a Christian in. Just, just release them. Anyway, that's not part of what I was going to say. Where was I? Yeah. Do you, and then to, to emphasize the fact that he is flesh and blood, he says, do you have anything to eat? And I'm astounded that they say, yes, we've got some broiled fish. Why broiled? Baked, yeah. Fried, yeah. Broiled, is that, is that how do you broil things? I don't know how you broil things. Is that direct heat? Yeah, you'll all be Googling it later. How, how do you broil fish? He shows them physical proof to dispel their fear. But he knows that they need more than that. They need more than just that encounter because they're going to take the message out to the whole world. And he needs them to know that they can trust the Scriptures. Jesus wants his disciples to know that they can trust the scriptures. You, I, need to know that we can trust the scriptures. Make no mistake, the scriptures are a battleground right now. But we can say, well, Jesus wants us to trust the Scriptures, so we will trust the Scriptures. And he says, and he takes them on his whirlwind tour of the Old Testament, their Scriptures. 
Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. We could be here years if I just embarked on a new series of every time you might see Jesus in the Old Testament. So I'm not going to do that, okay? But I just want to highlight a few things. You know that you have to read the Old Testament in the light of Jesus. Otherwise, it's confusing at times. You know, I, I'm doing the Bible in a year as I normally do, and I'm, I'm in a difficult patch right now. And I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus, it's all about you. He fulfilled the law, the books of Moses. In fact, he says about Abraham that before Abraham was, I am. It's one of the things Jesus says, and he, he takes that I am, Yahweh's name, for himself. He was before Abraham. One greater than Moses. When he talks about great Old Testament characters, he says about Jonah and Solomon, one greater than Jonah and Solomon is here. The whole of the Old Testament points to Jesus. When Abraham is asked by the Lord to give up his son Isaac, and Abraham, in that painful moment, agrees and takes Isaac up the mountain. The Lord provides a ram, a lamb, a substitute, and it points directly to Jesus. The Exodus, the great delivery out of slavery, it was the blood of the lamb that saved them in the last plague. When death came and passed over because of the blood of the lamb, it points, we know, to Jesus and in fact, in the Last Supper, he refers to it. This cup, sealed in my blood, is the blood of the new covenant. We are under a new covenant, sealed in his blood. The whole sacrificial system, when you read of those, I would not have wanted to be a priest in the Old Testament. I mean, you know, I did work in a butcher's department for a short while, Moved to the delicatessen, it was much more my scene as a teenager. But imagine the blood that was everywhere. I would not have made a good priest. But the whole sacrificial system that forgiveness comes through the shedding of blood points to Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the priest in the Old Testament who represents God, the sinner brings to him a lamb or an animal without defect. You will notice that in the scriptures. There always has to be a lamb without blemish, without defect. Pure, spotless. And the priest examines the lamb. Not the person. He examines the lamb, and the lamb is brought as a sacrifice. And there is that transference. The sin of the person is transferred to the lamb of sacrifice, and there is forgiveness. And the sinner walks away with something they had never had before, is forgiveness and the blessing of God. 
Jesus fulfilled that whole sacrificial system. He is a God of grace. The gospel is good news. You and I are not examined. The lamb is examined. We are saved by grace, not by works. You can never be good enough. But the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, Jesus, dies in our place. And all the righteousness of Jesus, the perfect spotless Lamb, is transferred to us. And he takes upon himself our sin. Righteousness, that gift, is not a reward. You cannot earn it. You don't deserve it. But it's a gift that you can receive. At the cross, it says in the Bible that Jesus became sin for us. Became sin for us. Became our sin for us. And just as he became sin apart from his actions... Jesus had no sin, was perfect, but became sin. We become righteous, forgiven, apart from our actions. This is great news. Because we're saved by him. We cannot save ourselves. And God wants us to receive his righteousness. All of The books of Moses point to Jesus, as do all the books of the prophets. Jesus says, all the prophets, whether it be Daniel in chapter 7, when he has a vision of one like the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, and he is given authority, glory, and sovereign power, all nations and all peoples of every language will worship him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion and will never pass away. Daniel is pointing to Jesus. Elijah, one of the great prophets in the Old Testament, he took on the prophets of Baal in that amazing encounter. And he called down fire. took on all God's enemies at that time. Jesus takes on our enemies. And he crushes the last enemy, which is death. Crushed it. So that we might live. Even though we die, we will live with him forever. Jesus in Isaiah The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. You'll call him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. Isaiah's pointing, Jesus. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. We read it at Christmas. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus. The suffering servant in Isaiah 53, who was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pains. Jesus. Micah, out of Bethlehem, though you're small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come one who is the ruler of all Israel, whose origins are from ancient times. It's Jesus. Joel 2, and the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is the one who says, wait and I will send you the Holy Spirit. Luke writes in Acts 3, verse 18 to 24, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that the Messiah would suffer. Indeed, beginning with Samuel and all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. And then we have the Psalms. I love the Psalms. They're my go-to. Times of trouble and stuff, I go to the Psalms. I spoke on Good Friday about, from Psalm 22. It's the most complete description of the suffering of Jesus that you will find. Incredible that it was written a thousand years before Jesus came. And it tells exactly what happened to Jesus on the cross. And Jesus quotes it from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's Psalm 22 verse 1. There is a tradition within Jewish uh, custom that the beginning, if you quote the beginning of the psalm, you refer to it all. It's the only time Jesus ever prayed without saying, Father. And he prays, my God, my God, so that you and I can say, my Father, my Father. Isn't that remarkable? All who see me mock me. They hurl insults at me, shaking their heads, saying he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him and deliver him since he delights in him. I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It's melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People glare and gloat over me. They divide the clothes among them and they cast lots for my clothing. It's exactly what happened to Jesus. Even the Pharisees quote this psalm when they hurl insults at Jesus as he dies on the cross. If you are the son of God, come down now. We'll believe in you now. The psalm ends with all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring it to a people yet unborn. And it ends, Psalm 22 ends with this amazing cry. It is done. And Jesus' last cry from the cross It is finished. It is done. Jesus wants you and I to trust the scriptures. If you've got out of the custom of reading the scriptures, can I encourage you to get back in that custom? Start with the New Testament if, you know, Make it your goal. Read the New Testament in a year. Or read the whole Bible in a year. Jesus wants you to know you can trust it. Three themes that emerge. The whole Bible is about Jesus. Points to his death and resurrection. This is what Jesus says in summary. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sin will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. His death is foreshadowed in every book. And the Bible is God's love letter to us 
And his plan to gather a people for himself from every nation, starting in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth and then back again. He is the savior of the whole world. And we are his witnesses. And he promises us his Holy Spirit to equip us and empower us. I would have loved to have been there to hear that Bible study. Hopefully I've just given you a glimpse and whetted your appetite for more. Let's pray together.